What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 77 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms while we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to bread in the show, go to readyplaynetwork.com or hit us up at Ready Press Play on Twitter and TikTok. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is July 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Daniel Lima, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Luis Menchaca. You know, Dan, we're about 13 episodes too late to be talking about the Nintendo 64. Really? Is it, is it really that much? <laughs> that much too late? Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to Episode that. Episode 64, you... I was like, yo, N64. And like, oh, yeah, we'll get to that. And <laughs> You know, Louis, something that's really interesting that you tend to do in this in this part, and I've never called you out on it, but because today we're in a kind of like a calling out mood, I'm going to do it, okay. is you always reference things that the listeners at home have no idea, like... <laughs> like you, uh, you basically spoil something that's going to happen later on in the show that the listeners at home have no context for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, they got the show notes, and not to mention, I'm pretty sure a title will give it away or something. You know, right? That's I a good know. point. That's a good point. I'm just yeah, today. Right. I'm just in a mood to try to give you shit. Like for the people that are jumping in right now, which is everybody, because you know it didn't get to listen to us rambling before we actually started recording. Uh, but Louis and I were already kind of giving shit to each other before we even went live today. So the energy, I can tell you, the it's energy combative. is going to be good today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're in for a good debate. Um, there we go. All right. So I want to start off today's episode by just talk, talking a little bit more about the abandoned video game controversy that we talked about last week. Now, this is the game that's being speculated as being either a potential new Hideo Kojima game or a new Silent Hill or a new, like, or, or some combination of the two, maybe the two are true, maybe only one, maybe neither. Um, and the discourse about this has been interesting since, you know, there's, I've seen a lot of people basically be kind of condescending towards the conspiracy theorists being like, oh, you are dumb, basically, like, this is so obviously some indie game. And I still disagree. I feel like the coincidences are too, there are too many coincidences. So unless there's somebody out there manufacturing these coincidences and they're actually not <laughs> true... You know, which I doubt anybody would be out there manufacturing anything like that on the internet. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, why would of they, course. Who does why that? Why would they do that? Um, then I, I'm still a believer. I still want to believe. But the latest update on the saga is that, and we didn't really talk about this last week, but this developer was supposed to do, they were going to release an app on the PSN where you could watch their trailer through the app. It was not going to be... Like they were not, they didn't want to just release a trailer for the game. So they had announced that there was going to be a trailer app that they were going to release in a certain date. And then people could download and watch the trailer that way, which is really weird to begin with. It adds to the weirdness about this whole story. Now that app on the day that it was supposed to be released, which was this last week, got um, delayed and postponed to August. Uh, I'm going to read this really quickly here from Push Square. Um, Blue Box Game Studios has now delayed the mysterious abandoned trailer app all the way back to August, citing last-minute bugs and localization issues. The PS5 application was originally uh, slated to hit the PS Store at some point today. When was this posted again? On last Friday at 7.30 a.m. Following the first delay earlier this week. The app isn't quite there yet. Hassan Kamraman claims. Um... Now, you know, there's there's been videos of this H this HK guy coming out, you know, recently. Uh, they're trying to show that he's a real person. But then I also see that the counter argument to this is that he's too handsome to be a game developer, which I think is kind of <laughs> mean. 
<laughs> look at that beautiful mug over here, by the way. Speaking of which, by the way, new layout. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, courtesy nice. Of, courtesy of Dan, by the way. Just saying. Yeah. For all the video watchers. Cool, cool, yes. cool. I'm, I'm glad we're getting the new layout in today. But yeah, Louis, I feel like this just keeps getting weirder. Like, one of the things with this is that, like, why would they delay it on the day that it was supposed to come out? Considering that it's a trailer. It's like... They're not releasing a game that day, supposedly. They're releasing an app where you watch the trailer. Why would it take till the day of release for them to figure out that they got to delay it for another two months? You know, Dan, I am starting to believe your conspiracy theory. Because who the hell wouldn't just release a trailer on YouTube, okay? Yeah. So <laughs> the fact that they're going out of their way to to uh, create an app... For, to, for some kind of like, I guess, secure portal to like view the trailer means that there's going to be some likely some interactive elements or some kind mm -hmm. of like, uh, you know, box puzzle thing. Like, a, what do you call them? I look like I think like a, like a virtual Rubik's Cube that you have to like interact with. Yeah. That's the only way. Could it be, Lewis, that this will be a playable teaser of the game? Oh, my God. You're so, <laughs> <laughs> so only Kojima would go out of his way to do something like that. So it's possible. Now I'm, I'm sort of like, okay. Okay, this is a this is a bit much, you know. Somebody mm. who's an indie developer who's making their first game, this uh, what do you call it? The uh, Blue, Blue Box. Box Game Studios. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't be trying to do something this extravagant or this uh, uh, boundary technology pushing. So, not to mention, like they're an indie studio with like their first time making a game. They don't have the clout. They don't have the IP to be like, you know, making people want to go out of their way to download something. You know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. this isn't like the next Halo trailer, you know? So. Although, you know what? Maybe, maybe they really like Kojima and they're actually trying to follow in the footsteps and embrace the conspiracy theories and get, you know, even weirder with it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I they're think it would be to the game's detriment. I think if you have mm -hmm. like, if you like throw out like heat, but no, f and don't deliver on fire, you're just going to be burning people. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That was a terrible metaphor. <laughs> no, I I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> I I thought I thought that was pretty good. You know, I, I just thought, pulled that I thought out of my ass just now. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounded it almost sounded kind of rehearsed, kind of reversed. Good job, good job. <laughs> um, yeah, Louis. I don't know. I'm excited to see what comes out of this. Um, I feel like we're gonna continue to see updates here and there, and and maybe it will turn out to just be some cool new indie game that. That you know was using all this, like was 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 taking a ride with all the hype and fall, and you know feeding into it, and then we'll see what what how people receive that, or it's actually going to turn out to be a surprise, you know, a new entry in the Silent Hill franchise or new Hideo Kojima game or whatever. But we're gonna have more Hideo Kojima games uh, stories, more Hideo Kojima stories coming out uh, later in the show. For now, Louis, let's get started and start moving into our podcast with some game impressions. All right. So Lewis, I'm guessing I'm gonna kind of be taking the taking the lead here because because you you've played things that you're gonna talk about on another segment, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I I don't think I'm gonna go too long on any of those, but I finally finished Resident Evil Village. I finished it over the weekend. Did my final push played for the last like two or three hours that I had to play. Um, and my final thoughts in the game are that it's a pretty good game. And I say this as somebody who hasn't played a lot of Resident Evil games, so I'm not a big fan of the franchise. I don't understand the whole lore, how it connects with the other games, and etc. This is really a sequel to 7, 
Uh, and the game does end in a way that makes me think that there will be a third entry in the trilogy. Like, I, I think it will be 7, 8, 9. I think that will, will, there will be, there will be an overarching story between 7, 8, and 9, uh, is what it seems like based on the way that the game ended. And I'm kind of excited to see where it goes next. Like, I'm excited to potentially take some time to play through 7, which I never did. Um, and then also I'll be looking forward to nine when that gets announced, probably like two years down the road or something. Um, but overall, I thought it was pretty competent. I agree with a lot of the criticism that people have online that there's some sections of the game that are top notch. And then there's some sections that eh, are not as good, kind of drag a little bit. Um, it's not an extremely scary game. In fact, there are, there are a few moments that are pretty scary, but a good portion of it I was able to get through without, you know, feeling like I was going to shit my pants constantly, which apparently is the case with some of the other games. Apparently 7 was a lot more scary, for instance. Um, I don't know, like some of the things that happen in this game just feel more like on the ridiculous side. So like they didn't necessarily scare me. Um, there's one part towards the beginning or not towards the beginning. It's like the second section of the game that you go through. That seems to be the one that people got the most scared with. Um, and I kind of agree with that. I don't know. It's hard to talk about it without getting into spoilers, and and you haven't played the game, so we can't really do a spoiler cast on it. But I, I would just say I liked it, had a good time with it. I beat it in around like eleven and a half hours. Uh, didn't feel like the game dragged on for too long. Um, Does the good. game call to you as far as uh, replayability, platinuming? Yeah. So um, there, th- I heard this game was pretty much built to be uh, replayable. Like you can. You can actually like rush through it and like apparently it's like a really good game to try to like speed run uh, if you want to do that. Um, there's also like a lot of like extra like the the village itself. It's almost like a hub area where you can explore and find collectibles and stuff like that. But the issue and I'm glad you mentioned this actually. The thing that I hated about it is that there were certain collectibles that would get locked out after certain parts of the game. So it's like. Oh, if you if you got to this section of the game and you didn't get these collectibles in that part of town, you can't access it anymore. You yeah, know? I hate that. I hate that yeah. shit. Uh, one of the one of the biggest reasons I didn't platinum uh, South Park: The Stick of Truth was because of sk- of missable uh, collectible items that, like certain gym Pokemon, that you couldn't. Yeah. Once you like go past this threshold, you can't go back. Ah, those are the worst. Yeah. At one point, I was trying, like, I think it was, like, a little bit before I got to the final boss. I was like, you know what? Let me try to explore every inch of this village and get, you know, everything I can find here. Even in preparation to, you know, the final fights that I was going to get through, like, the final section and then the final boss. And I I found this house. And you can see on the map, which is pretty useful, like, whether you've collected everything from that uh, room or not. And it was like, oh, you haven't collected everything from this room. So I want to go in it to to look for it. And I couldn't go in it. It was like, I could see it in my map. I could see this red square in my map and I can't access it. Like all the ways to access it are blocked. So I looked up like, oh, hey, how do I get like the collectible in this room? And then what I found was like, oh, you can only get the collectible from this room after you beat section one, but before you beat section three or whatever. So like now you can't access anymore. It's blocked out. I was like, like not even logistical <sighs> makes any logistical sense, even within the context. Yes, exactly. Uh, it was like, it's not even I don't know. It it just felt like that that really pissed me off. So like, I, I wish and it makes me think about like the future of Resident Evil and stuff and like where they can take this franchise in the future. It out this game almost made me realize that this franchise would potentially work as a semi open world game because um, the game has the hub area that, ha- that is the village. And then they have these four sections that each have a boss. Like, they're almost like four dungeons with the boss. 
the first one is the castle with Lady D. And then you uh-huh. got like Heisenberg and you got this fish guy and you got like this Dow house. Um, and there are people that said that they wish the order that he went through them was different. So you have to go through through them in a linear order, and then you go back to the village in between, and you can explore the village in between. So it made me wonder if it would be possible to make a game like this, where you can go to any of the dungeons, per se, in any particular order, and also go back to the hub world whenever you want and explore all parts of it without locking things away. Um, and I feel like it would be possible, and I feel like it would be interesting to see a Resident Evil game set up that way. Um, but, you know, not to get too long, I'll probably give the game a, like a, an 8. You know, or 7.58. Yeah. Um, didn't like didn't knock me out of the park, but it was fun. It was a good time. It was like right length and everything scary at a few times without making me not be able to continue to play it. Um, excited to play more Resident Evil games in the future. Yeah. OK. All right. Um, I played two more games. Not for too long. Uh, I played The Pedestrian, which this is a game that we saw at a I think it was like one of the summer Game Fest showcases last year. And it called my attention. So I, I made a note this of it. one. Yeah. Oh, damn. This one's so cool with the yeah, I've seen this. Uh, yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah. So I got yeah. it on PS4 digitally a while ago, and I've been meaning to make time to play and I finally started playing it. It's it's a really creative game. Um, it's basically a puzzle platformer. You're just kind of going through these environments as a little stick figure guy. Um, and you can like most of the puzzles involve you connecting like you have these different panels that you can go through and then you connect doors in between them. But you got to figure out like what's the correct order to connect them through so that you can actually like go from point A to point B or to at some point you start collecting items and then it gets a little bit more complex because you got to go and collect a battery to bring back to this other side so you can plug it in to open the door so you can go to this other area. So it slowly gets more and more complex. Uh, it's one of those games that you can apparently beat in like three or four hours. Um, I'm oh. about like an hour, an hour and a half in. Um, I think I'm probably going to play through it some more this week, probably beat it. Uh, but good time. Recommended. Good. Like if you like this kind of game, if you like puzzle platformers and you want to play something that has a unique, cool little art style, I definitely recommend this. Yes, I have played many a puzzle platformer, like things like Box Boy, and this seems right up my alley. And last but not least, I also played a little bit of River City Girls. This is on Game Pass, so I played it on Xbox, and I played this with Leah. This is a co-op beat-em-up. It's very, like, it has, like, this anime art style and, and, and just general, like, vibe to it. Um, and you play as two high school girls who are going after their brother, their brothers, their boyfriends that were kidnapped. Um, and they basically beat up everybody that that's on their way. It's very tongue in cheek. It's very humorous. Um, very like kind of over the top, annoying at times anime voice acting. Um, but so far, yeah, well, in the video that you can see right now, like that's like the boyfriend's getting kidnapped and then them going out and just beating up everybody on the way you beat up people in the school and then you get out of the school and you beat up people in the streets and etc it was (laughs) yeah we played it for about an hour and it was pretty fun although i have to say that the thing with beat-em-ups is that after you've played them for a certain amount of time they start feeling kind of repetitive i feel like beat-em-ups is one of those genres and maybe you agree with me here louis maybe not but i feel like they really benefited from being into our in arcades um and i've and I feel like when you actually sit down to play a beat-em-up in a console, um, <laughs> at least I, I can only play them for so long before I'm like, okay, I feel like I've seen, you know, I, what this game has to to show me, you know? 
But, you know, yeah. fun time, nonetheless. Yeah, beat-em-ups are, like, the situation where, like, you can't, when you have, like, infinite lives and you can't, like, when it's not, like, based off of, like, you mm-hmm. know, putting it in another quarter and stuff like that. It's just, it doesn't quite work. It's not the same. There's no stakes. It's like when you're playing at an arcade, you're trying not to die. You know, when you're playing at a console, it doesn't matter if you die. You just can continue or whatever, you know, so. Yeah, I felt the same way when, uh, I think it was late last year that I played a little bit of Streets of Rage 4 with my brother-in-law who which like that game is also like i feel like beat-em-ups are kind of having this resurgence with uh with yes. battletoads and river city girls and streets of rage and like i feel like i've, and, I've been hearing um, a lot about what's it called a uh, scott pilgrim and then yes now ninja turtles coming out um yeah. but you know i felt the same way with that one too where i played it for a while and eventually i was like yeah i'm tired of this you know they they start getting kind of kind of boring after a little bit but you know still if you want to check out a fun beat-em-up with you know strong female characters <laughs> then that's something to something to look at and that's it i talked enough you know and I'll, I'll 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 give the show back to you so before we go on to the it's a battle bus i just want to throw this out there so a couple of weeks ago we haven't done impressions in weeks by the way mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago i had uh, some friends over uh we were playing we were they, we were doing a uh hanging out like we used to back in the good old days you know pre-covid nice. and all that stuff and we were playing some Tekken, we were playing some Dragon Ball Fighters, some some Smash Bros. And it was just like the good old days. And it was like, oh my God, this is so awesome and everything like that. I was very happy. It was We had a good time. It was one of those perfect nights or whatever. You um, know what? I'm going to hold you up there for a second. Unless you... you were you done no, with your story? Okay. No, I was going to I was gonna continue, but go ahead. I can, I, have, I can hold my thought. I did play one other game in a similar kind of situation that than you did, like, like getting to see friends again and, and hang out in person. Um, I play Dungeons and Dragons in like, like not, not in a video game form, like role playing, like Dungeons and Dragons for the first time in my life. I had never done that before. Um, tabletop. and it was, yeah, tabletop. And it was, it was interesting because we're playing with this, uh, couple that we know and, um, the, the husband and the couple, it, it was his first time trying to DM because he, he, he had been playing it, but as a player, it was his first time trying to DM the game. And also it was our, it was like everybody's first time playing it. It was like myself, Leah, my sister, her boyfriend, and then this couple that we know. So like six people, this guy DMing it and five of us. And, you know, I always had this thing where I never really wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons because it seemed like such a time commitment. The people I knew that played it, they played it regularly, like every weekend for hours at a time. And that didn't seem like something that I... I wasn't willing to put that much time to it, but this guy was like, no, let's just try this out. Like, just, let's just like start like a, like a short campaign and see how it goes. And then we no like no pressure on finishing it or continuing to do it. And, um, and I, I, I had a good time. You know, I, I, my character was, um, my character was a noble human. So I kind of tried to get into character a little bit and to like act like nobility and et cetera. And, you know, we, we kind of tried to role play our characters while also like trying to understand the game. And it's one of those games where you can kind of like do almost it, get into character and then just kind of like enjoy your time and do whatever you want as long as you can, you know, like roll the dice for it, you know, and, um, and obviously the DM was doing it for the first time. So he was also kind of trying to figure out how to do it. And he was being, he was giving us a lot of freedom to just kind of try things out and and have fun and etc but no we're going into this forest we're trying to escort some cargo we got attacked by goblins and then we had to fight the goblins and then one of them was left alive we had to interrogate him and stuff and find out there was another trap coming up and it was it was it was fun it was a fun time so something i might try doing again 
Mm. I've done it before. Yeah. I've uh, I played a D and D with some coworkers uh, back in the day, and we did it for like four weeks straight. Where it was like we did two campaigns. We did one long campaign that was like done in three parts, and then one one shot. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I dipped. I was like, I can't. It's too much of a time commitment. We were doing it like for every Sunday, like for like three hours at a time. And I was yeah. like, that's all. That's practically the whole day because I had to drive to him, which is like a long yeah. drive. And yeah, so, uh, but it was nice. It was fun, and I can see why, why it's. I can see why it's uh, why it's addicting and fun. Do it's, it's like it's very, yeah. very social and stuff. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, time is money. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel the same way. Um, there's that. And then also, so just to, just to finish my story, I just wanted to throw out that I got to finally play some Dragon Ball Fighters. I got very rusty, and I mean extremely rusty at Fighters. Like, I was just getting wa- like my ass whooped by Troy. Uh, he And, like, <laughs> Troy's good at Fighters. He's, like, better than me at it. But, like, I could at least keep pace with him, where, like, he was just stomp- curb stomping me, and I'm like, okay. Um, and then there was... Um, well, we played some Tekken, and I actually I got some wins on on my friends, and uh, I was very happy with that. Uh, we played well, well, a couple rounds of Mortal Kombat, and with Mortal Kombat, it was so because we we had put so much time into Tekken and and, and fighters that Mortal Kombat felt slow and clunky uh, by comparison. So it was just kind of one of those situations where like the rhythm wasn't quite there. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, as a separate side note, I just wanted to say that. I have not played any of those games from Mortal Kombat to Tekken and uh, Fighters. Like, I have not played them so long. Like, I have not booted them up. I have not played them even during COVID. Like, the, I only play those games socially when people come over, like, so I can do a local multiplayer. I don't do online multiplayer on those games. And it was to the point where, like, not only did I have to, like, in, like, whenever I was like, oh, yeah, let's play this game. And they're like, all right, let's, let me put this PS4 disc in. And then, like, oh, we have to download a, a 30 gigabyte update. You know, oh, wait yeah. 45 minutes. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess yeah. we'll play some uh, some of this and we'll, we'll wait for this update to happen. And so there was a lot of that throughout the mm-hmm. night, throughout the game night where we were updating games in the background. Uh, it was a real pain in the ass. And that's part of the reason why we didn't even, we only played like, like 10, 20 minutes of Mortal Kombat at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, uh, separate side note, I have not been keeping up with the DLCs of like the, the season threes and, and all that stuff of fighters and the new, the newer seasons of Tekken that by the time I booted it up, the last time I booted up, I had all the characters unlocked. And then the time that I booted up now, I have a whole row of characters that were grayed out. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh my god, it was disgusting, and I didn't spend any money. I was like, I'm not gonna spend money. Fuck that, you know. If you guys have to come more often from for this to be worth it, and you know, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted cool. to throw that out there. Uh, but the games are still fun, though. I just don't have all the characters anymore. So woe is me. All right, uh, let's see here. Ah, here we go. <laughs> we both had the same idea. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, so I just wanted to say that I am so looking forward to Battle Bus. I've been wanting to do Battle Bus for such a long time. And what a week to do it because there's so much shit happening that I actually have to like leave some things for next week, you know? So number one, um, you know what? Let's just get through, through, through these little boring ass stories before I go into story time. All right. Uh, so apparently Sir Smash Brothers, the next fighter will be the last. So Sakurai has com- uh, confirmed that uh, Smash Brothers only has one more unannounced fighter to go. For the record, oh. we don't need to read these stories. This is just like conversation topics, basically. If you want to talk about it, no, no, no. I was just gonna, I was just gonna just sort of like fly through them. <clears throat> okay. I just wanted to say that I am disappointed in this headline. I, uh, in in my heart of hearts, I was pretty much. Uh, 
willing i was i knew that this was going to be the end but i, I had like that's like 10 percent like hope that just maybe just maybe we can you know get a third season especially because i already have like a dream scenario of all the characters that are going to be in season three that you know things from mm. like sora and scorpion and yeah master chief and uh, yeah. crash bandicoot like i had like all these characters shovel knight and like just mm-hmm. characters that could totally fit up a, a season three easy you know what I mean? And the fact that we're only down to one character left, it's like it's a it's a it's a disservice to all the mm-hmm. hopefuls that can totally get in. So yeah, I don't really have much to say about that other than uh wanted to ask you, are you in disbelief or no? Uh I don't know. You know what's interesting is that isn't Smash Brothers kind of close to having a hundred fighters by this point? Like if you count all the like alternates and echo fighters and etc i believe the last i heard is that there's 84 characters but that's when you count them combined like when you count like um oh, okay so 74 actually okay so uh, that's, that's the base game 74 base game uh it's 86 oh, okay. 86 uh characters so if you count the three me fighters that's 89 okay but then you could could you potentially push that further if you counted like um like pokemon trainers three different characters and stuff like that or you know you know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes they have like different counts. Like, and what I was what I was gonna get to is that I like a hundred as a round number, and I think it would have been really cool if they found found a way to get to a hundred characters, even if they just throw in like a bunch of more Echo Fighters or something. You know what I mean? Um, so actually, it's 89 characters, and that's including uh, Pokemon oh, okay. Trainer being three. So it's 86 now. There's 86 slots. Um, 89 when you count, uh, I, you know, Ivysaur and Charizard and Squirtle, and then also, uh, Pyra and Mithra. Okay. Because those are two characters as well. So I guess 89 plus, I guess another three with, uh, Me Fighters, unless that's also including Me Fighters already, 89. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But either way, like, we're not quite at 100 just yet, but with a third season, we would be in the 90s. So. Yeah. Yeah. We would, we would, if they did, like, two more seasons and then it <laughs> sparked in some extras in there, you know, like some piranha plants, like, like you know um releases and stuff i think i think we could have gotten to 100 and that would have been cool but anyway yeah all right well yeah so there's that and then also uh let's go ahead and stick with smash here before we move on to fortnite <clears throat> so i played kazuya or kazuya okay. and yeah. uh yeah so kazuya he dropped uh this week on just they did the direct on Monday. I woke up to it. I didn't even realize it wasn't going to happen this week. I literally thought it was going to be this Wednesday. So they did the direct, and then they're like releasing tomorrow. So re- release on Tuesday. Um, I got to say that I am overwhelmed by how many moves this ha- this character has. And I play fighting games all the time. I even played Tekken. I even mastered certain characters in Tekken. But just the the uh, translating the move sets from uh, you know Tekken and like you know you know one twos and all that stuff they're not it's not quite the same when you sort of like morph it into smash even if you keep some certain similarities there's still like it's still a lot to take in especially because i'm holding a gamecube controller so it's not quite the the same like mentality just playing the game um and also just in general like i've seen some crazy ass Kazuya combos that are insane Twitter combos. Everyone's already predicting that he's busted. He's he's character. He's a meta breaking and all this other stuff. But honestly, like I I'm having trouble using him. He feels very slow. He feels very clunky. He doesn't feel very intuitive. But you know, hats off to all the pro players that are just 
you know, getting so much mileage out of them. I'm not going to be that person. I also struggle. I usually like when a DLC character comes out, the first thing I always do is I play a level nine CPU and almost all the time I always win. And then Kazuya, I lost. I did not win my first CPU battle. And then on top of that, I fought against him as a CPU, like, you know, as my regular characters and I was losing to him. So holy shit, Kazuya is actually pretty strong, even as a, even as a CPU. Uh, so there's just, uh, it's not, it's not him. It's me kind of thing. Um, I'm very happy that he's in it and I'm happy for, uh, I'm happy for the challenge of anyone that's, you know, can play him even halfway decent. So, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say about Kazuya is that, um, he looks pretty busted. I've seen some stuff. You give it the, you give it the thumbs up, the Lewis thumbs up. Oh yeah, the thumbs up. You know, separate side note though, I just want to say, uh, in Tekken, uh, there are 10 hit combos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tenant combos are like a thing that you have to memorize, you know, every individual input and timing and like, you know, you know, this, all this and that, like I've, you know, those are a bitch to learn. <clears throat> and in Smash Brothers, it's just press A and just keep mashing A or just hold A and he mm-hmm. automatically does a tenant combo. So yeah, just throwing that out well, there. Yeah. They're trying to make it easier for, <laughs> you know, more accessible as they say it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's go ahead and move on to Fortnite. Uh, just a second. Uh, do, do, do. All right. So for Fortnite, I just want to say that. Um, all right. So uh, those bastards, man, and the the people at Fortnite are making me subscribe for another month uh, to the <laughs> Fortnite crew because you know, Loki is the is the skin of the month of July. I subscribed to the Fortnite crew a few months ago just as a way to get the battle pass. Um, with you know the extra V bucks and stuff. And then they got me in the sense that I forgot to like I was planning on just subscribing for a month and then canceling it. And then I forgot to cancel it. So I kept subscribed for like the next like three months. So I paid for this for like three months and they they didn't even have really good rewards for the last few months. I know. Uh, know. And then I and then I just canceled it, actually. But but (laughs) because I just canceled, I think I'm still going to get Loki because I think I'm still going to have it go through until like July 5th or something like that. So I'm probably still going to get him but i have to log in i'm going to be logging in tomorrow and then i'll i'll check if i if i get him or not if not then i might just subscribe again and to to get him and then and then cancel <laughs> after that i've only but, i've only done the one see the one month which was the month they gave away i think flash it was i think it might have been flash or arrow well i think it was arrow yeah actually. yeah arrow yeah lewis so. i do want to i do want to talk to you a little bit about the new season of fortnite though like I know you you were not wild about last season. In fact, you didn't you almost didn't play the game at all last season. Um, how do you feel about this season? I still haven't played it, to tell you the truth. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I actually, I've been hearing a lot of uh, really good things uh, from my friends that are still playing uh, Fortnite. Mm. They are still saying, dude, there's so much good stuff. You can you get abducted by aliens. There's a mini games in there. And I'm like, jump on it. I'm like, okay, I'll get onto it. But I haven't. So I don't really like the alien stuff. Like I... <laughs> I find it like it's I almost find it like too much of a distraction. I know that whenever they do these seasons of Fortnite, they always are adding distractions to the core gameplay. That's just how it goes. But I just find it distracting and and I I just don't like it. Like, I don't like when I'm just like walking around like the map and then I get abducted and I got to deal with that or whatever. Or somebody driving around a UFO and like pulling people around and it's just (laughs) a pain in the ass. Um, But I actually I specifically wanted to talk about the battle pass because I kind of don't like the new battle pass format. Like they 
the battle pass used to be where, um, you know, you, you get XP, you level up your level, and then you unlock rewards per level. Now they have this new currency format, which are called stars. And then as you level up your battle pass, you get stars, and then you use the stars to buy the rewards from the battle pass. However, What's the difference of just simply giving you the, the rewards? Yeah, so, that's how so like, do it. here's the thing. My understanding of it was like, oh, okay, they're giving you a little bit more player choice. So maybe if you want to, like, go for the skins first, you can do that. Versus otherwise, before, you would have had to level up all the way to level, like, 99 or whatever to get the final skins. However, here's where I don't understand it, is that the unlocking process is still fairly limited, where you can only unlock, like, they're, they're split into pages... Each uh-huh. page, um, or most of the pages, have a skin. You can only unlock the skin on that page after you've unlocked everything else on the page. But then more than that, you can't just go to whatever page you want. There's also an order to unlocking the pages. So the point is, like, ultimately, it still works the same way. Like, you still, like, the the amount of choice that you're actually given as a player is very small. Like, basically, I guess it, the way that it works is that if you would have been, if you would have been giving these rewards between level one and ten, now as you level up between level one and ten, you can kind of affect the order that you get things within that. But bucket. not really. But, but not really. Yeah. yeah, but that's it. Like, but you can't you can't go and get a reward from like that you would have otherwise gotten on level thirty five on level ten. That's impossible. So I just don't. That see and the also, point. you can't you can't buy the skin first. Like that yeah. even pisses me off. Like. Uh, what's like? What's the point of just hoarding these these stars if you have to spend all these stars in order to even get the option to then buy the the, the skin in place? It's like you might as well just done the old order of things where you get to like level ten and then get the skin that comes with being at level ten. So I just yeah yeah it's really it's really like a a, a pain in the ass. It makes it look like. It's okay. It's not even like confusing, but it makes it look like you're, oh, we're doing it for you, but you're really not, you know, because if you were, yeah. you would give us more free reign. The whole idea of, you know, get get through uh, pages uh, one through five and uh, done first, and then you can start looking at page six. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, it feels very arbitrary. And I, I wish that if they were going to go with the system that they would have given us more freedom to actually like, you know, maybe the skins are a lot of stars. But then if you don't spend stars on anything else, you can get all the skins by like level 20 or something, you know, but yeah, they they didn't do that. So I don't I don't see the point right now. I mean, they're just basically trying to make it so that way you people you're still playing it. You're still getting to level 100. You're still being forced yeah. to. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I do have a story. Go uh, for it, so I went to a party. And I okay. went to like a, a house party and uh, my nephew was, was going to be there. It was like a family get together. And a lot of times at these uh, house parties, we would just, you know, break away and be in our own little room. And uh, the we would sometimes, you know, I would bring my Switch and, you know, he my, my nephew would carry around his Xbox in his backpack and his, uh, has a little portable setup with like a little portable monitor. So all he needs oh, is cool. just electricity and then there you go he's seen he's set up mm-hmm. and so he's like my nephew was like bring your playstation 4 and i'm like ah, okay <laughs> fine fine and like i packed my ps4 in my backpack uh because that's where my main account is my main account is my playstation 4 playstation 5 anytime i bring my switch it's like it's like uh not really making any progress because it's like my separate account that i don't play on um so i'm like okay i'm gonna bring my ps4 i did it and i was playing uh we, we set up we're all we're playing like in duos and stuff like that together um with you know my my other cousins they were there they could have they could have played it if they didn't want to um and so what ended up happening was i was at the i was there and i'm like oh let me let me get this uh 
let me get this skin here. I was like, oh, I can't afford this skin. Okay, let me let me spend this $80 to load up on 12,000 V-Bucks right here. And so I went and made the purchase real quick and boom, I'm like, all right, cool. I got this, I got these 13,000 V-Bucks. Now I got 12,000. I spent my, 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 little, my little shop emotes and stuff like that and got it going. And then um, we were like, we played a couple of games and I'm like, good. I'm like a level nine, 10, whatever. And after that, I'm like, all right, I'm kind of done playing. I kind of want to go eat, you know, so let's just pause here. We'll eat, come back, and then we'll play some more. And then one of my my cousins, his, uh, see, I'm meeting some kids for the first time at this birth, at this party. And uh, so I didn't know that one of these kids was my cousin's, my semi-estranged cousin's kid or whatever. Like, I'm meeting this kid for the first time. And I was like, the kid wanted to play Fortnite. And I'm like, okay, you kid, you can... Kid, I don't know. You can play Fortnite at my PlayStation 4 here. Oh, here's no. I see where this is going. Here's 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 my controller. And uh, just don't buy anything, okay? Just like How I old have 12,000 V-Bucks. He looks like to be about eight years old. Okay. Uh, you know, he was, he's, he's, I thought he was there. You know, mm-hmm. he, he understood instructions. He knew how to play Fortnite. He knew how to navigate the menu. He knew mm-hmm. about the battle pass. He was telling mm-hmm. me that you spend my stars that I'm like hoarding because I didn't, I have not spent a single star like since mm-hmm. I've since I've, uh, you know, got the battle pass. Actually, no, I take that back. Uh, the reason why I haven't spent a single star is because I never bought the battle pass until that night. That's the reason mm-hmm. why I needed to spend the, the V-Bucks. I was like, all right, let me get these V-Bucks. Let me get this, uh, this battle pass, as well as these extra skins. And so I'm like, now I have all these stars that unspent. I'm like, don't touch them. I'm going to be right back. I'll, you know, I'll mess with it on my own time. Mm-hmm. And so I go and eat and I come back. And then it turns out, and I'm like, and I'm about to sit down and start playing. And I was like, all right, let's start this next matchup. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why do I have 2,000 V-Bucks? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like 10,000 V-Bucks are gone. And oh, I'm like, no. look at the kid. And I'm like, kid, come here. And he starts like backing away. And I'm like. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, what did you do? <laughs> and I'm like, why? And then like I'm like looking around. I'm like, I'm a level fifty. And I'm like, there's no way we weren't gone that long. And so it turns out he paid V bucks for levels. He leveled me up, and those are non-refundable. You can't undo that. And oh he bought skins God. on my account. And uh, it just so happens that you are allowed for the lifetime of your account. You are allowed three refunds, no questions asked. And I had to use all three of those refunds, all, and and it's the it's like a strike, like mm-hmm. I I uh it's like it keeps track, and now I don't have any more vouchers for refunds anymore because I had that's to use so it. that's stupid. They shouldn't have like three for the lifetime of your account. They should have like like or at least like if they were if they were gonna do it that way, then then a day's worth of spending should count as like one strike because. It's very possible that if somebody like robbed your account or whatever and started spending your V bucks, that they wouldn't just buy one thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, so I had to use up all three of mines and uh, to get the refund. And so now I'm no. And now if I if I do an accidental purchase or if I regret a purchase, I can't refund it anymore. Uh, and like that was my main account. And I'm like, uh, that's so, so lame that he spent like so much of it on just levels because <laughs> that's like because that's so one I of was, the. I was able to get most, not most of it back. I think I got it back up to like, I don't know, six, 7,000, whatever mm-hmm. V-Bucks. So ultimately, I lost about 5,000 V-Bucks and levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm now at level 50 and I haven't played the game since. So at least I'm not like behind as far as where I should be. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know, like honestly, like I didn't get mad at the kid because like the other kids that were in the room told me, oh, he's autistic. And I'm like, mm. you know. <laughs> I just okay. I couldn't. Uh, I was like, all right, fine, whatever. Uh, I'll just 
I'll just deal with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I really wanted to like get upset and mad, but you know, I, I literally, he, I literally left a kid alone with my PlayStation yeah. unsupervised with 12,000 V bucks. On I the feel ready. like, I feel like at the end of the day, like it sucks, but that's more on you really. <laughs> like <laughs> I like, it's one of those things where I was like, I understand why you did it. I would have probably done the same. Um, but it's also like, you can't, you can't blame like an 80 year old kid um like autistic or not like you can't blame an 80 an eight-year-old kid for uh for like spending your money in a game i feel like because that's they'll they'll do that (laughs) like i I sat him down i'm like this isn't your account this isn't your money i told Mm. him i was like hey look i just told him very calmly i was like hey look this isn't your 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 account uh buying skins on my account isn't for you you're not going to play this game here Mm -hmm. you know so i'm like you yeah. don't live with these skins, these raggedy ass skins that I don't want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I was able to do, like I said, I was able to recoup most of it. But um, yeah, I guess never doing that again. <laughs> All right. Well, lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. All right, Louis, do you want to do you want to play the sound effect for our next segment? All right, let's do it. You know, Dan, I'm very, uh, I'm very happy that you managed to trim the fat on this segment. <laughs> yes, yes, because we're 45 minutes in and only now getting to the segment. Um, so when Louis does this, uh, he 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 adds a lot of content to it, and I I wanted to keep it more to things that we were more likely to have something to to say about. That is not the case for all the years. In fact, I'm going to point out a year where, to me, I would have been fine cutting out that year altogether. But I figured maybe you would have something to say, so we'll get there. Um, but you know, Temple of Time to those that to the uninitiated is the segment here in Ready Press Play. We do it once a month, usually in the first week of the month, where we get to look back at games that are turning 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 flagship anniversaries in that month. So games that came out at this point in July of 2016, 2011, etc. And we're going to look through all of those. So we're going to start with July of 2016, five years ago. So all of those games are turning five years old this month. We're going to start with the sensation, the 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 epic Pokemon Go that took Top the world 20 by storm. Of, of the 2010s of Ready yes. First Play. <laughs> yes, yes, it, yes, it made it in there. This game came out and uh, I, I would have never guessed it would become as big as it did. Um I don't I didn't even think even back then that it was that great of a game, but <laughs> it was it you know it, it was innovative in, in a way. Like there I know that it was built on on the technology that the company that Niantic already had for Ingress, but the Pokemon franchise, you know, brought it to another level of attention and then that was the a lot of people's first introduction to that kind of technology and I spent hours and hours and hours, weeks and weeks and weeks playing the shit of Pokemon Go at that point during that summer. I it came out during this time frame in my life where I really wasn't doing much, to be honest. So I would like just kind of go out and go in these long walks. I would walk for hours just trying to explore, you know, my town. At this point, I was in Orlando, I believe. Yeah, I was just going around Orlando, exploring everything, playing Pokemon Go. It was a good time. You know, did a we uh, my friends and I went on a walk uh, over like a park, like a one like a mile like long or a couple mile long uh, walkway and stuff like that, playing this game. Uh, you know, getting uh, getting Pokestops on that on that trail. So yeah, I agree. and you know, I I never I was never able to get into it again like since 2016. But I've tried like I've tried many times. I've like every once in a while I'll I'll install the app again and be like I'm gonna try to play this a little bit more, but. I just can't get into it anymore, and I I wish I could. I wish something like that would take its claws on me again, because 
I want to have, uh, I know the stupid to say it like that, but I want to have a reason to be w- walking outside and exploring my town again that feels like compelling and fun like like it did with Pokemon Go. But Pokemon Go, I feel like it, it's it, it's gone, you know, like it doesn't do it to, it doesn't do it for me anymore. I need something new. You know, um, I got a story. Okay. I was at a Smash, I was at a Smash tournament uh, and, and uh, there was this, uh, Pokemon Go had just recently came out like months ago and then somebody blurted out everyone a blastoise spawn and then instant <laughs> pandemonium against all everyone is like all running and stuff in place trying to and yeah, yeah. i caught the blastoise <laughs> that immediately awesome <laughs> I just awesome throw that out there yeah i loved i loved those moments all right other games starting five years old are the ghostbusters game that came out for pc ps4 and xbox one Song of the Deep that came out for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Monster Hunter Generations that came out in North America for the 3DS in July of 2016. I Am Setsuna, which its worldwide release was on PS4 and PC in July 2016. Uh, And We Happy Few, a game that actually came out in 2018, was an early access for PC, Mac, and Linux in July 2016. Um, Anything else that you played here, Louis, or no? Um, I just want to give a shout out to Song of the Deep. It's basically like Journey, but in the water. <laughs> so like, oh, so like no, Abzu. Wait, no, wait, that's not Song <laughs> of the Deep. Take that back. Song of the Deep. Isn't that the GameStop produced one that was like a yes. Metroidvania? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that water one. Ah, damn it. Yeah. Never that's mind. Abzu. But that's Abzu. You know, some, yeah, that's right. Some of those games, they get mixed up in my head as well. Like, cause I, you know, I played, um, I played Call of the Sea and Sea of Solitude in the same year. And all the time I get those games mixed up in my head. And now like Song of the Deep also gets mixed up with those. And I'm like, I had to like think about it for a while to remember what Song of the Deep was. They got yeah, I got similar emotional it. images. That's why. Yes. Yes. True. All right. Let's go back a little bit further. Games that are turning 10 years old this month. So that came out in July of 2011. And we got NCAA Football 12. Is that how we say it? NCAA or NCAA? Uh, NCAA. Hmm. NCAA Football 12. Um, that one, actually, I only put it in here, I think, but it there were multiple, almost every year this game came out during the summer. Um, I'm actually waiting for you to highlight the thing <laughs> so that I can read I it. I got it. I got it. There right. we go. NCAA Football 12 came out on the Xbox 360 and PS3. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, I think it was the part two game, came out on Xbox 360, PS3, PC, Wii, and DS. Call of Juarez the Cartel came out on 360, PS3, and PC. Captain America Super Soldier came out on 360, PS3, Wii, and DS. Bastion originally came out on the Xbox Live Arcade. Catherine came out on Xbox 360 and PS3. In North America, it had already released in Japan. And Pac-Man and Galaga Dimensions came out in North America for the 3DS. I've already talked enough about Catherine in the podcast, so I don't want to do it anymore. Go play it. The full body remaster on PS4 and Xbox One is great. Um, what do you want to shout out, Louis? Bastion. It's got a long mm-hmm. tail. Like, it's, like, literally been... I would say it's been relevant for much, like, for most of that 10-year span. For about yeah. five years when it kept getting ported to, like, the Vita and uh, the PS4 and all It got ported stuff, to like... the Switch, I think, recently? Like, oh, maybe yeah. last year? Between last year and this year, it got ported to the Switch, so... Yeah, and that was that... I believe that was the first game by Super Giant, who has since released, um... Transistor, Hades. Pyre, and now Hades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been cool to see that studio's journey. I feel like they make games that have a similar like art style, but that at the same time they're each like very unique as well. They're um, innovating yeah. too, yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
yeah that's that's also my main my main shout out there um and this is also the era still of the licensed games where we still got to see you know a lot of those movie tie-in games that we don't see as much of anymore um oh thank you (laughs) all right uh i'm dumb now on july of 2006 or 15 years ago we had prey coming out on pc and xbox 360 this was the original prey uh, and not the, the remake slash reboot that came out a few years ago. Miami Vice, the game, came out on the PSP. Super Dragon Ball Z came out on the on the PS2 in North America. Cloning Clyde came out on the PS2. Civ City, Rome came out on PC. And Civilization IV Warlords, which was an expansion to Civ IV, came out on PC as well. Um, I'm a big Civ fan. I've mentioned in the podcast before that I haven't played Civ Six yet, even though I probably should. Um, but I played the shit out of Civ Four. I don't remember if I played that expansion or not, but I feel like with Civ Four, I bought one of those packages that was like like Game of the Year kind of package with the game and all the expansions. So I probably did play that. Um, but just an overall phenomenal game. It's actually I think that Civ Four was my f- one of hmm. Potentially my favorite Civ game. Um, it has I have a lot of nostalgia for that one, just like I do for two as well. But why don't you give that one a, a shout out? Okay. All right. Um, let's see. I just want to say, why the hell are you naming it Super Dragon Ball Z? Because like you don't put Super in there unless it's a Super Nintendo game. But whatever. <laughs> uh, secondly, I just want to say the only game that I'm familiar with, or even like remotely, is because of the franchise. I know what Prey is. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know Prey was that old, by the way. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Uh, 20 years ago, on July of 2001, we had, and I put it in here too, NCAA Football 2002 came out <laughs> on the PS2. Final Fantasy X on the PS2. Mario Kart Super Circuit came out on the GBA in Japan. And Max Payne came out on PC. Max Payne, which by the way, I mentioned like last week or a few weeks ago when we were talking about the new game announced by Avalanche Studios, which is called Contraband. I think I said, oh, the developers, I think they're the developers of Max Payne. I was wrong about that. What I meant to say was Just Cause. And I'm bringing this up because I get those two. We're talking about like franchises that we get mixed up and stuff. I get those two mixed up in my head all the time. Max Payne and Just Cause are the same in, in my in my small brain. Wow. Yeah, I, don't, I think I don't, the only thing I, the only thing I know about Max Payne is that Mark Wahlberg movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you forgot that even existed. Yep. All right, going back further. You know what? Have you played? Actually, have you ever played Super Circuit? Yes, I was actually gonna uh, go into that next. Here is um, I actually have a lot of uh, memories with Mario Kart Super Circuit because I uh, I got that uh, I got the Game Boy Advance cartridge. I got it a couple of times because. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, something about it intrigued me. It's basically like the first ever handheld uh, Mario Kart. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically like, you know, Super Nintendo graphics. Uh, since it is a Game Boy Advance, it's basically a handheld Super Nintendo uh, 16-bit system. And they basically, uh, it, it was like, a, it's not like a good game mechanically, like to by today's standards, but it did do one thing. It was the first Mario Kart game to to pioneer and i see that in air quotes uh pioneer the retro tracks because uh with like the you know mario kart and n64 mario kart they were always making brand new tracks and never reusing mm-hmm. old tracks so now we uh for the for this game in particular they brought back every single super nintendo course back into the game and that's cool i liked it um i ended up uh giving a, a copy of this game to my nephew when he was a child i gave him for his birthday i gave him mario kart ds and mario kart the game boy advance 
together mm-hmm. as like a bundle for his for his birthday and because he had a nintendo ds Lite that also had game boy Adva- uh, advanced cartridges at the bottom so he was able to play both games and of course you know he liked it yeah so mm-hmm. cool Going back even further, 25 years ago, July of 1996, and this is the year that I considered cutting out together because I have nothing to say about any of those games. But these are all the games that came out in July of 1996. Nights into Dreams, Sega Saturn, Saturn Bomberman, Sega Saturn, Star Ocean on the Super Nintendo, The King of Fighters 96 for the New Geo and the Saturn, Bust the Move 2 Arcade Edition for the Saturn and PS1, Phantasmagoria, A Puzzle of Flesh, for MS-DOS and Windows, and Virtua Fighter Kids for the Saturn and Arcade. Okay, how dare you want to cut this one? Like, you do realize what Nights into Dreams is, right? I had never heard those words in combination before, even though they actually make a lot of sense to be combined. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 do this here. Let's do Nights All right, so we're doing a little dreams. research moment. All right, in I know what Nights into Dreams is. I'm just surprised you don't know what that is. Uh, let's oh, see here. I've seen this. I've seen that character. All right, let's see. Let's get through this ad, the stupid ad. Ah, there we go. Uh, let's let's just skip along right to this part. There All we right, go. I All have right. definitely seen that main character before. Um, oh, but see. you know, is this one of those classic Sega franchises or something? Because I let's see that you see that you've seen this before, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I am not really familiar with Sega franchises at all. I don't think I've ever touched a Sega console, to be honest with you. You uh, know, Nights into Dreams got like an HDFI remake in the current gen consoles, for, at least for the PS4 nope. and Xbox One. You know, they, this game was like literally remade. Like, oh, it's a okay. look like this too. But Didn't yeah, no, this was like one of those like big pioneering like 3D games. Like, oh my God, it's so mind blowing. Yeah, this is one of the reasons to get a Saturn. Okay, so. this, is one, this is one of the reasons why I have you in this podcast. <laughs> you know? To, uh, uh, so you know, for to... all you for all you uh, uh, l- uh, audio listeners, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to, to say uh... that. Uh, yeah. But let me see here. Like, let me just say that for uh, for all your audio listeners, just uh, if you even vaguely know about what Nights into Dreams is, uh, if you don't know, if you're too young or whatever, uh, it's just like this purple f- character, sp- like Sprixy type. You know, like think manic dream girl pixie manic dream girl who's just floating <laughs> floating around like tinkerbell and peter pan flying around in like three-dimensional like little topsy-turvy things going through superman 64 rings collecting coins you know that kind of stuff did i do a good job you actually <laughs> you did lewis you did a surprisingly good job <laughs> i literally made you know? all of that up as i was going along <laughs> 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 you did a surprisingly good job. And you know, I thought the game you would want to talk about in this section would have actually been the King of Fighters 96. See, I Just, don't know any particular King of Fighters because there's so many of them. I might have mm-hmm. actually even played this, actually. I played mm-hmm. King of Fighters growing up on the Sega Genesis and arcades. Uh, so that's not to say, like, I'm not giving any, like, uh, uh, how do you put it? Like, any shade to it because I don't know which King of Fighters I played. That's how many of them there are. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So with that being said, I don't. Uh, in general, I like the franchise. I know Terry. Terry's in there uh, from Smash Brothers. You know, uh, but I do want to give a shout out to Bust the Move uh, too. I have not played a single Bust the Move game, but I, I have played uh, when I bought my PlayStation One. Or my, when I got a PlayStation One for Christmas, it came with a demo disc, and inside that demo disc mm. was a demo for Bust the Move Four, and I played the shit out of that demo. So just want to throw cool. that out there. Cool. 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 All right. Going back further, 30 years ago, July of 1991, when Lewis was a little baby and I hadn't even been conceived yet. (laughs) 
Square released Final Fantasy IV in Japan, the first Final Fantasy game for the Super Famicom, which was released later in America in November as Final Fantasy II. I have of that different game. in numbering. Yes. These games. Uh, regarded as one of the best Final Fantasy games, as far as I know. A lot of people really love this one. Um, I have not played almost any Final Fantasy game at all, so I don't really have any opinion on it, but still a meaningful, you know, meaningful um, point for the franchise there. Uh, 35 years ago, it was 10 years after Atari's breakout, Taito releases Arkanoid, which adds power-ups and unique levels and generally reinvigorates the concept. So I've played Arkanoid before. Uh, that's one of those like classic arcade games. Uh, you know, Breakout really started this like genre, and then Arkanoid just kind of took it further. And it's one of those games where like everybody has played it, whether you know it or not. <laughs> you know, you may have not played this particular iteration of it, but you everybody has played this game in some way. You know, we call them brick breakers. Um, it's really a genre, one of the oldest genres in in video games, and one that we surprisingly don't really get to see a lot of anymore. Um, at least not in new releases, but so okay, yeah, it says here ten years after Atari's breakout. Okay, so I remember us covering this on Temple of Time where we were talking about oh breakout, you know, like yes. with Steve Jobs and like was just like oh he programmed like the for what would be like breakout and stuff like that. I just wanted to say that uh, yeah, interesting uh, Arkanoid. It's like the evolution. It's like the basically you're saying it's about power ups and yeah mm. yeah that's that's interesting because they're not basic, you know. So yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and you know, the perhaps the biggest one this month, which is now turning 40 years old, because it came out in July of 1981, on July 9th, specifically, Nintendo released Donkey Kong, which introduced the characters of Donkey Kong and Mario and set the template for the platform game genre. It is also one of the first video games with an integral storyline. So... We know the story about how, like, Nintendo had these arcade machines that had been built for another game whose name I can't remember, but I bet you do, Louis. Um, and they had, like, the game was not selling, it was not working out, they wanted to repurpose this this machine for a new game, and that's when they had, you know, at this point, young little designer artist Shigeru Miyamoto stepped up, up to the plate to design this new game that they were going to repurpose the machines for, and that's where Donkey Kong came from. And there's a lot of... You can see more of the story behind Donkey Kong in an episode on the Netflix show. Um, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the Netflix show is not called Fuck, but there's a Netflix show about video game history that is really good, and I'm going to look it up while you talk so that All I can right. give so us a proper shout-out. For, for the uninitiated, Donkey Kong has been like this storied legacy and made Nintendo Nintendo and everything like that. Uh, Mario was not even named Mario in Donkey Kong. His name was Jumpman, and he was later like retroactively named Mario after the fact. Uh, Pauline, you know, the character that, that sings in Super Mario Odyssey, is actually the character that you rescue in the game. It's not Daisy. It's not Peach. It's not Princess Toadstool. Uh, it was, it was uh, Pauline. Um, she was basically sort of forgotten about in Nintendo history until they finally brought her back in the like the early to mid-aughts whenever they started doing the Mario versus Donkey Kong series, and then that's how she became relevant again. Um, also, before you say anything, Dan, just want to say, um, because of the success that Donkey Kong had brought to the arcades, uh, Universal Studios or some, some movie company wanted to get some in on some money action, and they filed a lawsuit saying that they like infringed on King Kong or something like that. Yes, and the lawyer, and this gets covered on this episode of the show, High Score, that's the name of the show, 
giving it a shout out, recommend it. Episode two, Comeback Kid, is about the story of Donkey Kong. And one of the things that they cover in that episode as well is that the guy, the lawyer who defended Nintendo in the case, in the Donkey Kong case, was named Jack Kirby. And that's where Kirby, the character of Kirby, came from. And actually, if you put his face, if you put this guy's face next to an image of Kirby... You can tell that the character is slightly based off of him because he has this very like he has this like very round pink face. <laughs> so uh, I thought. Uh, see, yeah. I know about I knew about Jack Kirby. Um, like my understanding when I saw I saw a documentary on YouTube about this about the lawsuit, and they said in the documentary that Nintendo has denied that it's based off of the lawyer. Like, oh no, it's just coincidence. You know, like, oh, I don't know. That's at least on the documentary I watched. They didn't treat it that way. They were like, they were almost like that was like Nintendo saying thanks to him. They decided to immortalize him as a character. So I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I believe it. I mean, like I said, I don't know. Maybe they wanted to like, you know, not say that publicly, but they actually do that privately without, you know, making it obvious. I don't know. But yeah. But Lewis, you've alluded to this earlier in the podcast, and there is something else that came out roughly um, uh, 25 years ago, we're a little bit behind on it now. This should uh, it's was something that we intended on covering one or two a few weeks ago. Um, but why don't you play our next sound effect so that we can do a special segment here? Yeah, so Sharing the Love is a segment where we typically talk about a game that has changed us, moved us, something that has affected our past, that we something from our childhood, and etc. You guys know the drill. And it turns out that the Nintendo 64 released in Japan in June 23rd, 1996, so roughly 25 years ago. Um, and I wanted to kind of give Lewis an opportunity to talk about his experiences with the Nintendo 64. Really quick. I never owned a Nintendo 64. I've barely played the Nintendo 64. I played some games like later in like 3DS releases or, you know, Wii Virtual Console and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't have as much of a connection to the Nintendo 64 as other people do. So, Lewis, take it away. So, I want to say that growing up as a child, I never owned a Nintendo 64 either. Uh, my my aunt mm-hmm. uh, did, and anytime I would spend the night at my cousin's house, or anytime I would just go over to my cousin's house, period, to go hang out with them, I would always play their Nintendo 64. And that's how I first, you know, got into Smash 64, uh, you know, whenever I was at a, another f- cousin's house, and they also owned an N64. We would do four-player Smash, all that, all that good stuff. Uh, but I ended up getting, like, an N64 as, a, as an adult when I got my own money, and I went back and played all the games that I used to that I used to play at other people's houses. And so I have many uh, stories about, you know, playing like Ocarina of Time, uh, playing all like, you know, Mario 64, all those things. They've like, I've been, I lived through them, by, you know, by, you know, like little vertical slices through other people's stuff. I think I even like, I even, uh, um, you know, had like, I spent a, a summer in Mexico with my family and they had a, a, an N64 and that's how I beat Ocarina of Time is through, you know, living with them for like a month. So uh, as far as, uh, um, you know, like as a general, like O'Day to the N64, I just want to just go ahead and pull up my, my little list of uh, games that I own for the Nintendo 64 right now. And let's take a look and see if there's any uh, particular shout outs that I want to give a shout out to. Let's see. Okay, here's a story. Sharing the love. My uh, my cousin, the aforementioned cousin that I always go to the house with, uh, they would rent their games from Blockbuster. And then there was one in particular game that they rented that I always will remember. And it was called Conquer's Bad Fur Day. 
And of course, <laughs> uh, I talked about how Conquer was in Smash 64 when they when they in the mod. Uh, and a lot of people, surprisingly, a lot of a lot of my friends that I hang out with, the ones that I play Tekken and, and, and Dragon Ball Fighters with, they don't know who the fuck Conquer is, and it, it insults me. And I'm like, you're not that much younger than me, you know. But whatever. So um, as far as Conquer's Bad Fur Day, the reason why it's so awesome is it's an M-rated uh, rare game. You know, that's mm-hmm. all like, oh, look at the, I'm cute and cuddly. I'm very, I look family friendly, but he's just like gets a chainsaw and like cuts a logo in half and says stupid logo and kicks it and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and uh, I just want to say that he, the, the, the thing about that, uh, that makes Conquer so funny is that we, my family rented it from Blockbuster, but they never returned it. And they accumulated late fees and like, they ended up like turning it in like later Until, but to the point where, okay. to the point where it's like, you know, it's like an overdue library book that you just like, fuck it. We're just, we, they yeah. could have just bought the game instead of like, you know, checked it out as long as they did, but. I just want to say that it was hilarious, but I played the shit out of it every time I went over. Um, yeah, that one. Shout out to I thought Conker. You, I thought you were going to say that they, they kept the, the game until Blockbuster went under. <laughs> they, <laughs> they never needed to return. You know, it's funny. I don't want to go on that tangent for, for long, but with the overdue book fees, it's funny like how much I would stress about that as a kid. And like, I would forget about returning a book and I would get like, so like in my head about it. And like, at the end of the day, like, I feel like so many times they wouldn't even charge me, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like the the library in school and stuff like that. But um, um, anyway, cool. Glad, glad couple to, more stories. Uh, just a, yeah, just a couple ahead. more stories. All right, I just want to say shout out to Goldeneye. I played that a lot as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of hand slaps, mm. a lot of no odd jobs, all that stuff. Uh, Mario Kart sixty four. I even played that as an adult. I even like took it to my brother's house and my cousins. Even they're all grown adults, stuff like that. They're still getting a kick out of it. It's still relevant and still playable even to this day. Um, also, Mario Parties. I still played N sixty four Mario Parties as part of a rotation. And then when my friends came over, I even did like a let's play of it or uh, on my on my YouTube channel. Um, mm. And I felt blitz i we, we we played it a lot back in the day we still played it even to this day whenever we like we like say hey let's try it out and then they're like oh i'm badass no you're not badass and i'm badass and all that kind of stuff and then it turns out i'm not even that good at the game and even all my other friends are still good at it they still didn't get rusty and i may not even be good to begin with and i will never play fame at at, uh, at any <laughs> football game period let alone blitz but i did play i played him one time like as an as we were adults and stuff like that i brought my n64 uh, over we played one game of blitz and i was like okay that's it i'm done or it's he like (laughs) curb stomped me and i'm like i'm not even gonna try it anymore and yeah oh yeah so shout out to star fox 64 that's the only one i want to give a shout out to just because it's star fox 64 yeah i'm gonna give a shout out to my favorite um nintendo 64 game which i played on the 3ds which is ocarina of time (laughs) (laughs) easiest shout out ever nice Um, and and to uh super mario 64 as well even though i never finished that which I can't remember if that's the... Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, But anyway, that's it for our Sharing the Love segment today. we still got quite a bit of show to cover, and we're running long, so let's go ahead and hit our new segment, Louis. Oh, you bastard. You didn't didn't want to do the story? Uh, It's not. It's not. There's no news to the story. It was just like, yeah, let's just just move on. Okay, all right, here we go. All right, so let's do this. Um, the first news story of the day is that PlayStation is going on a buying spree, Lewis. Uh, the first thing that they did was announce that they are buying Housemark. So Housemark is joining the PlayStation family. This is the studio behind Rezogun, behind Super Stardust, behind more recently Returnal, right? This is a studio that has been working with PlayStation a second part capacity, second party capacity for a while anyway, that has been developing all these beloved, more like 
indie flavored PlayStation exclusives. And I feel like this is, you know, it's something that we could have predicted very easily that this would be one of their next acquisitions. What do you think of this acquisition, Lewis? I feel like they're about eight years too too late. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. They should have been uh, scooped them up when they started developing Resogun. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and to think that like the PlayStation Four is like seven and a half years old now, and uh, that was a PS Four launch title. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. and one of the one of the best ones of that too. I remember that it was one of the standouts of the of the PS Four launch library. That at that point didn't really have a lot of like like super exciting like new exclusive stuff as is really the case with most new console launches and and Resogun I remember was one of the things that kind of uh stood out from from the bunch at that point so yeah this is cool it makes sense uh it's interesting to see that um Sony is actually going after buying some studios now we're gonna hit up a few others here as well um now here's the interesting thing is that when Sony um, when in in one of the Twitter feeds where they announced this acquisition, rather than posting, there's the, like this cool, nice edited social media image that they share of like Housemark joins the PlayStation family. Like this but one, ra- yes, or no? yeah, that oh. that image I think. So rather than sharing that image, there was one of the Twitter accounts that accidentally shared an image that had the Blue Point Games logo in it. You can pull up the next story in the from the doc here if you want, Louis, on the for for our video viewers, but. So one of the Twitter accounts pulled up an image that said Blue Point Games. It was also like an equally like edited <laughs> like social media content. And then they deleted it right after and posted the correct one. But it led to like a lot of people reacted like, oh, holy shit. Sony bought Blue Point Games and then they ended up deleting that. So we don't know now. And we're going to circle back to this in a second. Like it sounds like Sony has actually also acquired Blue Point Games, but they have not officially announced that yet. Blue Point Games being the studio that uh, was most recently involved with remaking Demon Souls for the PS5, a PS5 launch title as well. And before that, they also remade Shadow of the Colossus in 2018. Um, I believe they've worked in other like projects of that sort as well. I played the Shadow of the Colossus remake from 2018. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was an excellent game. Demon Souls, as much as ma- I'm not a fan of the franchise and, and neither are you is a, a a beautiful PS5 game as well. I feel like it's one of the most beautiful games on the on the console so far. Um now what do you think like what do you think Sony's plan is if they are indeed also acquiring Bluepoint? Do you think they're just gonna start farming out more remakes to the studio? Yeah, I think that's what they're they're really good at. I think they should stick with with that, especially because they can be like, all right, let's make a Jack and Daxter remake. Let's revitalize this franchise. I feel like that's uh, something what they're really good at is, you know, not just putting on a new coat of paint, but also making things fresh as well. So I kind of, I, um, I kind of, I don't know. Actually, I'm, I feels really wrong to say that because it almost kind of feels like you're like, it's like wasted resources, wasted talent. They should be making mm-hmm. something new, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, we've... These remakes are super successful, right? Like Demon Souls, I feel like that was one of the uh, the main like so far it's one of the main PlayStation exclusives, right? It's like yeah. it's Demon Souls, Ratchet and Clank, and you know it's kind of interesting to think of it this way. What what are the big PlayStation exclusives right now? Demon Souls, Ratchet and Clank, and uh, Returnal. And what are the studios that like Insomniac Games was the last studio Sony acquired, and now they are acquiring Housemark officially and supposedly acquiring Bluepoint as well. So they're 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 putting their money where their mouth is, I guess. You know what I mean? It's kind of funny that both of these images, though, like they're basically the same image twice. Like the I can see how somebody who's just like you know has a PNG a folder with these things next to each other, and then yeah. accidentally like released the wrong one on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I will say it's kind of interesting that the the house mark image had, or both of the images actually have a character from Returno in it, which is like the the astronaut looking character in the middle. But none of them feature a character from Blue Point. Like from either Shadow of the Colossus or Demon Souls, so maybe you know, <laughs> let's let's take this with a grain of salt. Maybe maybe that image could be not real somehow, right? Because I you would expect that on that announcement they would have had something from Blue Point as well. Uh, I'm but surprised the- that they weren't like uh, like all of these verticals. They should have made it so that they're all like Housemark games. Like I'm True. surprised they didn't do like the thing where it's like you know you'd see like a little Rezo gun like ship flying around or some kind of like yeah you know super stardust image or whatever you know so it's like I'm surprised they didn't do like the thing where it's like you know we welcome Bethesda and they show all of the Bethesda stuff right there or whatever I I feel I feel like it's because they're trying to show more it's like hey this studio is now part of the Sony PlayStation Studios family and they're they want to put them alongside everybody else but then it's also because there's not that many recognizable things that they could use from Housemark I believe I mean they have worked on plenty of games but you know if you if you put like Resogun and Super Stardust and and those games next to each other I don't I don't think it conveys like it's different than when you have like Fallout and Doom and Elder Scrolls like the the power there is a lot different than when you look at this. But I actually think, you know, it's interesting to analyze Sony's acquisitions next to Microsoft's and kind of compare the two because they're they're also making different types of acquisitions and having different strategies here as well. Uh, the final one that I want to mention on this topic is that they've also acquired a company called Nixus Software, uh, which is a company specialized in PC ports, which in my opinion is very clear hints at the fact that Sony is going to continue to bring their first party titles to PC. You know, Uncharted 4 potential port to PC was was rumored a, a while ago when we talked about it in the show. Uh, we also saw Days Gone come to PC earlier this year, I believe. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn came to PC last year. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, I think there's there's been ramblings about that happening as well, if, it, if it's not official. So we're probably going to continue to see more of that with now an in-house studio handling some of those ports as well. Um, so... Liz, what do you think overall about like Sony's like purchasing little purchasing spree right now? Uh, I'm not, it's not exactly one of those kind of situations where it's like, oh, it's so exciting and stuff like that. Some yeah. of them are a bit obvious, like as far as like the the Rezo, uh, the Rezo gun developers. Ah, damn it! I'm, I'm already blanking. Housemark, yes. It's like yeah, it's like one of those like um, it almost kind of feels like old news in the sense that yeah, some people may even think that they were already PS uh, PlayStation first party. Just how, just based on how the fact that they were always, always releasing only on PlayStation. So that's that's the yeah. interesting thing too. It's like we 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 may take some things for granted where like we, me and you and people that follow this stuff very closely, like know the stuff pretty well. But a lot of the the people that are going out there buying their games and playing them and not necessarily listening to all the podcasts about it and etc. They don't really understand the difference between first party, second party, third party. Like I I think there's a lot of people out there that would just associate like oh yeah like that's PlayStation. You know like Demon Souls that's playstation like they don't even understand necessarily that's like oh no that's a separate studio that just got like paid to to make that game exclusive or whatever um so yeah this uh this stuff makes sense um and it's a different strategy than xbox was going and spending a shit ton of money to get you know this huge family of studios that will be making you know triple a games that will now be exclusive to xbox and pc versus sony is like they already have this powerful family of studios they're going and spending a lot less money making these you know, more like, um, how, how can you say, like specific acquisitions that will fulfill certain niches, I think. Like, hey, like, we need some help with PC Diversified ports. Diversify their portfolio. Yeah. Also, not to mention, like, I will say this, like, there is, 
as a general feeling on this on this matter, and I didn't really like voice it when I talked about the Bethesda acquisition or whatever, but as a feeling, it almost kind of feels like uh, Sony's doing it the right way. And I say that in air quotes because there's really no right way to, to do business in this kind of industry. Um, but I say that the right way in the sense that it almost feels like it's very homegrown. It feels like they're doing it the right way as far as like building yeah. relationships with like Housemark and, you know, second party studios. And then finally getting around to like, okay, you know what, you know, Insomniac, I think we we can do something. You know, we, we're, it's going to be a mutual beneficial thing. It feels like, it doesn't feel like with Sony, it doesn't feel like evil corporate overlord overreaching with their power. Yeah. Whereas with Microsoft, it does. With Microsoft, I almost would have preferred them to have like 30 plus studios if they were all like founded mm-hmm. by Microsoft themselves. Like yeah. open their own studio, make it, you know, instead yeah. of uh, instead of just buying it, you know. With, with Sony, it's a lot more organic. With Microsoft, it's almost like they they want to they want to skip ahead, like they want to skip the line, right? Like they want to go straight <laughs> there, like like oh, like I don't want to deal with this line. I'm just gonna buy the whole store, right? Like if they're, they're that's the kind of shit that they can do. Uh, but I I will yeah. say this. I understand your point. I feel like each company is doing the best decisions for the position that they're in, you know, because like there's no Microsoft with the amount of money that they have available to do this. And with how behind they were, I feel like they (laughs) had to make these bolder moves and spend the money to like bring them to parity, you know? Yeah. So I, I think I think that makes sense. I think plus, um, not to mention with Amazon having like closed studios and stuff like that, we know it's not easy just to f- let's found a studio like the coalition yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now, with uh, talking about Xbox, talking about PlayStation, and earlier we talked about Hideo Kojima, let's move on to our next story here. Uh, this is, I'm bringing this from VGC, as reported by author name, author name, Tom Ivan. Xbox has reportedly moved closer to signing a new Hideo Kojima game. Negotiations between Microsoft and the Metal Gear Solid creator said to be at an advanced stage. Microsoft has reportedly moved closer to agreeing a deal to publish a new game from Hideo Kojima. It was claimed in April that Microsoft was in talks to sign the next game from the Japanese designer best known for the Metal Gear Solid series. And on Thursday, VentureBeat reported that Microsoft and Kojima had signed a letter of intent stating that they planned to work together on a new Xbox game. It marks a significant development in negotiations, although the deal is still to be finalized, according to the site. The deal is so close that Microsoft has begun preparing for what Kojima will need to make his new game, the report claims. Earlier this month, Xbox Game Studios appointed Portal and Left 4 Dead designer Kim Swift as senior director of cloud gaming, reportedly with a view to helping bring Kojima's game to fruition. I didn't know about that part of it. Kojima has previously expressed a desire to explore a new format of game enabled by cloud platforms. Um, they confirmed in October 2020 that he was staffing up for a new game project, and Death Stranding director Scott, a PS5 version of the studio's debut game Death Stranding, was announced in June. So, how do you feel about this, Louis? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's all just just bullshit, or it, is it actually going to happen? I'm a little shocked and surprised, to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. because like ever since like you know Kojima games have had a house, had a home on PlayStation, like even as far back as the PS1 with Metal Gear Solid One being a PlayStation exclusive. Um, so I just kind of feels like it feels a little weird. It feels wrong. Um, not to mention like we know you know that PlayStation and Kojima have such a good relationship. I don't know why there he would go out of his way to like you know go work for the competition. You know, it's not like Kojima isn't gonna you know. It's not like Kojima is going to be strapped for cash when making his next game. It feels like he can literally ask Sony to 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 forward him or like, you know, advance him some money and then that's going to happen, you know. I don't it doesn't seem like getting money from Microsoft is is going to make things any better because he's literally already getting money, plenty plenty money from Sony anyways. So, it's like 
my question to you is like, what can he not do on PS5 that he will be able to do on Xbox? I don't. It just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna debate you on this one because. I feel like we're making a lot of assumptions here. I feel like your assumptions are not necessarily, like, unusual, but we don't know what his relationship is like with Sony. We know what it was like in 2016 when he left Konami and Sony scooped him up and, you know, financed the the development of Death Stranding and made that something to be shown at, like, multiple E3 conferences and everything, and they supported all of that. Gave him the Decima engine, that's a first-party thing. Yeah. So, so so far, like, yes, the relationship seems like, like it was great. However, Death Stranding comes out in 2019 uh, to mixed critical reception to not great sales, and I wonder how would Sony, especially with a new leadership that is less Japanese than it was before, would deal with financing Kojima's next game? Because Sony is not the kind of company that just throws money around, doesn't give a fuck. They are, <laughs> they are, as far as I understand, they are the kind of publishers that want quality, that w- that want sales, they want results. They are very like, um, they have really high standards for the for their studios. Um, yes. And that's why it's like it's it's difficult for people that work at like Sony's first party studios to get stuff like approved. If you're in a not if you're a naughty dog, like they have built themselves enough credit by this point where they have more freedom. But we saw what happened with Sony Band and Days Gone and the struggles that they went through trying to bring like a sequel to Days Gone and stuff. So if Sony did not bring like a sequel to Days Gone, do you think they would have for Death Stranding? Or rather, do you think they would have been as eager to throw money in Kojima's face again for a next game? I am not so certain about that. Um, now, I don't necessarily look at this as like a betrayal. I look at this as, um, I, it does take me off guard, catch me off guard because with the with the director's cut announcement that we saw recently, I was seeing it more likely that Sony would even acquire Kojima or something at this point. Um, however, I'm beginning to understand this as I think Kojima is going to become, or Kojima Studios is going to become more of a Platinum Games kind of studio. If you remember, Louis, a few years party ago, to everyone. <laughs> yes, there was a time frame where Platinum Games had simultaneously in development an Xbox exclusive, a Nintendo exclusive, and a Sony exclusive. Now I don't remember exactly what the games were. I it think was, it was uh, ba- Drag, uh, Scalebound, uh, yes. a Bayonetta game, or whatever, or Wonderful One Hundred One kind of. Um, and then also for PlayStation, I don't know what they would have had exclusive at the time. But. Maybe like Near or something like. like oh like yeah, they, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there was a time frame where like that studio was just kind of like you know whoever pays us will make something for you kind of thing. So yeah. I could see if this proves to be true, I could see Kojima finding himself in that situation where his studio becomes more of the second party to everybody, like you said. Where you know if Nintendo walks up the next day and they're like, "Hey, we want to throw money at you to make this kind of game on the Switch," and maybe he'd be like, "Sure, let's do it," you know. Um, so I would I, never, I, I would never see the day like, okay, I would never see the day where that would happen because I would see like Kojima is a bit of an auteur and he needs hardware. He needs hardware to push uh, mm-hmm. his limits. And I don't think he's going to limit himself technology wise for his vision. Uh, but that being said, uh, I would sooner see him working with Nintendo than I would Microsoft because I don't know. I've not, I'm not going to say like the Japanese are insular, but it almost kind of feels like you want to do it for the, you know. Do it for the team, you know what I mean? Yeah. Here's a few other things I want to point out. However much money Sony offered him, Microsoft can double and triple. Um, <laughs> another thing, yeah. too, is that it's not Kojima that had a, rela- a historical relationship with Sony necessarily. It was Konami, right? Because Kojima, he was not making those kinds of decisions at, at Konami, I would assume. Like, he was part yeah. of a bigger publisher. 
uh, the other thing, too, is that Kojima has, and you might have noticed this, Louis, I, I get this impression. He loves America. Like, this dude, like, he's in love with the United States. Like, he he could make a game, like, he could make his game set anywhere, and his game is all about exploring and healing America, right? Death Stranding is what I'm talking about, right? He mm. he has this interesting fascinations. He likes to, like, incorporate, like, American language into his games. He likes American to, like, cinema. show... Yeah. yeah, he loves American cinema. He likes to show up in American shows. Like, he likes America. So I feel like, I don't feel like he would be someone that would get, like, oh, like, I don't want to work with uh, Microsoft because they're, like, too American. I prefer to work with a Japanese company. I don't know. So there's that as well. Um. Anyway, we talked enough about this. But I, I my, my theory is that we're going to see, you know, Kojima get pimped out to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to all sorts of different companies moving forward. I, okay, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I would have gone harder with the language, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one, I only added it in here uh, because I thought it would piss you off. And I was just like, I'm in the mood to piss Louis off. I feel like this would be a good <laughs> conversation piece. Uh, so this comes from a website called Axios, which this is the original source of the story. I didn't know it before. It's written by Sarah Fisher. Exclusive. New platform launches to bring TV ads to console games. After months of testing, marketers are finally going to be able to start running video ads within console and PC games. Why it matters. In-game advertising, a linchpin of mobile gaming, could be very lucrative for console and PC developers. But studios have been hesitant to adopt them, fearing that clunky ad experience would mess with user engagement. A first-of-its-kind in-game advertising platform called Player One launches this week, allowing big-name marketers that are used to running splashy TV ads the ability to target younger demographics with similar types of spots that will run in video games. The platform, which is owned and operated by Simulmedia, a TV ad tech company, will let users determine whether they want to watch a 15- or 30-second video ad in exchange for being able to unlock exclusive gaming perks. Simulmedia has struck deals with some of the world's biggest gaming studios, including Electronic Arts and Tencent's high-res studios, it's EVP Gaming and OTT Dave Madden Toad Axios. So I'm going to leave it there. Um, so so first, I just want to put it out there. I am an EA employee. So I don't think, you know, the EA side of this, I didn't even see that in the story before we brought it up here. I don't think either of us, Louis, should comment on that part of it, especially because I don't know if this is true. I don't want to risk commenting on something that could not be true and then getting in trouble. But to the, the story more in concept, like the idea of having live ads in... In video games, what do you think of it? I hate this. I am. <laughs> you're right. This would piss me off. If you, it already pissed me off whenever uh, NBA 2K20 uh, did it when they put ads like unskippable ads in their loading screens, um, where it's like even when the game is done loading, the ad isn't finished. So you better sit your ass down and watch this ad so that way we can make our money. Ah, this is so grimy, and like I just, I would never like. I would not stand for it. And um, the idea of paying like 60 to $70 for a game and you're still getting served up ads, it's like, what are we doing here? What's the point? Like, I, I literally paid like 99 cents on my phone to not have ads on Among Us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's, this is like, that's literally the whole point of spending money on your games is to not be bo uh, uh, bothered with it. So if they're going to do this, you you have to you have to be everything has to be free to play. That's the only way this is going to work. And even then, I don't really appreciate that because Fortnite is already expensive as it is, even if it, even though it's a free to play game. So running ads on Fortnite, it's already like uh, I don't know because Fortnite's a social hub. You know, they do podcasts, they do concerts on there. They don't run ads. 
you know, we have ads everywhere and they're annoying. And, you know, with me, the thing that annoys me the most is that they tend to be effective. Like I've bought a shit ton of stuff because I saw it in an ad before. Um, so, or even like, even if I don't buy it right away, later on, you go like, oh, I need this kind of thing. And then like, oh, what brand do I get? And then it just like that name <laughs> that you've seen the ad for, you know, gets in your brain and stuff. So, and I, I've appreciated that we've had, um, video games as almost like a safe space from ads, yes. right? For the most part. And I feel like recently we've started seeing product placement in games, like in Death Stranding with the, with the monster energy drink, but I almost wish that we would stick with that. Like, can we just like have that instead? Like, I'm okay with things movies being too. placed. Yeah, like movies too. O- they, they do product placements. I'm okay with product placement, assuming it fits within the the context, the the world, the universe of the game. Obviously, it would be ridiculous to to find a can of Coke in Skyrim or something, but I wouldn't mind it in Fallout, right? Like, so there's ways to do this in games that make sense for it. And I feel like, I mean, Fortnite already has so much product placement anyway. I don't feel like we need to be taken away from the interactive experience of playing a video game to have to watch an ad. Uh, it sounds based on this article that it's going to be more of a thing where it's like, oh, it's an option. Like maybe like in a Fortnite-like game, hey, if you go into this menu and you watch some ads, you get some V-Bucks in exchange. Uh, but I don't like that either because I feel like that's the first step in a in a in a path that in a slippery slope, right? That I feel like we're gonna have a hard time coming back from. Actually, it's the kind of path that there's no way coming back from. So I I'm <laughs> hoping that the majority of the studios that I like that work on the games that I play do not even consider adopting this. But only time will tell. And the reality is that games that do uh, implement this, I will probably just try to stay away from so that I can vote with my wallet and not support this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And also, any game that does do it and is successful, everyone will follow. So, mm-hmm. All right. Next one here. This almost could have been an extra news story, but I just wanted to give it a little bit of a highlight here. The Elder Scrolls is still the Elder Scrolls 6 still in the design phase being built on new Starfield technology ported by Tom Phillips for Tom Phillips for Eurogamer. Uh, Bethesda boss Todd Howard has given a brief update on the Elder Scrolls 6, which is still many years away. The hugely anticipated Skyrim sequel will benefit from following the upcoming Starfield, Howard said, whose new engine is already being used for The Elder Scrolls VI prep. Open quote. The new technology creation engine 2 is sort of built for both, Howard told The Telegraph. It's like a new tech base. The vast majority of our development work is on Starfield right now, but everybody works on everything so the projects kind of intertwine. But even with some staff working on the Elder Scrolls series future, Howard was careful to make it clear that this next fantasy RPG chapter was still a long way away from launch. Open quote. It's good to think of the Elder Scrolls 6 as still being in the design phase, but we're checking the tech. Is this going to handle the things we want to do in that game? Every game will have some new suits of technology, so Elder Scrolls 6 will have some additions on integration engine 2 that that game is going to require. So I'll leave it at that. Um, what do you think, Liz? Man, this game is vaporware. <laughs> We've got that logo launched like a long time ago at an E3 or something like that. And they're just talking. I think this this game is more of just like in-engine, like just, you know, this kind of like ethereal kind of like non-existent <laughs> phase that where it's in. And oh, look, they're even, yeah. is this the, this is the logo, isn't it? They're playing the logo. Yes. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> which which uh, that, that footage was likely not even an engine or anything. They probably just paid some cinematic studio to make that cinematic with the logo. That logo will probably even... Maybe get change. a redesign yeah. and stuff and change later on. Just like the um, Metro Prime 4 logo. When we do <laughs> see that again, you know? So, um, yeah, just the just the idea that they're just... Uh, it's basically just, you know, engine. By the way, this... I just want to throw this out there. They have 
they've been long overdue for a brand new engine anyways and i'm just surprised mm-hmm. that they're you know they took this long and number two they better get it right because whatever engine they're going to be sticking with they're, whatever engine they're creating now they're going to be sticking with for like decades to come out imagine i don't think even with microsoft money they're going to go out of their way to change an engine or update their engine so because we've already seen them do it already for 10 years so yeah all right, so we're going to talk. Be talking more about this probably on next week when we do a topic of the show on predicting when certain games will be coming out, and that will include the Elder Scrolls Six. So I'm going to want to see. We're gonna we're gonna see who is closest to predicting the the release of that game, and we're only gonna know on like episode 400 of this podcast <laughs> or something. Um, but I actually I want to try to make a point that whenever those games do came out come out that we look back and see who uh, who got it right, which we probably won't. <laughs> okay. Um, and then last but not least, this is old news. This came out during E3 week, but we had so many other things that we were talking about that we did not cover it at all. Uh, and I wanted to do it because we were doing it every month. Uh, the NPD numbers came out for May. Uh, I just, you know, games continue doing super well. I just kind of want to go through um, the the top uh, 20 list of best selling games in May in the United States. Uh, that had number one, Resident Evil Village, new addition to the list. Number two, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, new addition to the list. And then the the only other new edition was Biomutant at number 16. Now, let me go through the rest of the list as well. We got MLB The Show 21, number three, then Call of Duty Code War, then the new Pokemon Snap, then Mortal Kombat 11, then Mario Kart 8, then Returnal, then Animal Crossing New Horizons, and then Minecraft that ends the top 10. And then closing out the top 20, we got Modern Warfare, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Super Mario 3D World, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, It Takes Two, Biomutant, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Monster Hunter Rise, Breath of the Wild, Pokemon Sword and Shield, and Days Gone. I wonder why they put Days Gone at number 21, but okay. Yeah, that's... Oh, you know what? They're trying to point out the jump. Oh, from 247 last week to... Okay, interesting. I wonder why it spiked. Yeah, there must have been some maybe some kind of update or, or, or something. Sale. sale, yeah, exactly. Uh could have been the deal of the week um on mm. the on the PSN or something like that. Um yeah, cool. So, you know, Resident Evil Village number one. Um that game I think definitely fed on the on the hype and the and the meme of Lady D. Uh I feel like a lot of people probably bought the game because of that. Uh then Mass Effect Legendary Edition, cool, expected to see there. Uh MLB the show twenty one still selling a shit ton. Despite the fact that it's free on Game Pass on, on the Xbox side. Uh, Returnal, doing pretty well on the list there. Number eight. Um, Animal Crossing New Horizons had a bump from like 15 to 9. Maybe some new events happening and etc. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I, I keep being surprised at like how long this game has stayed relevant within the sales charts. Because it's now like two Call of Duties ago. <laughs> so Yeah, it's 2019 uh, Call of Duty and it's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, Because, like, I would understand, like, Cold War being number four. It's like, okay, that makes sense. But I would have expected this one to have fallen further down at this point. Um, And then, you know, shout out to, like, all the Nintendo games in there. Shout out to It Takes Two. You know, it was number nine the previous month, number 15 this month. That game is selling really well. Um, And it's it, it's really it's really good for uh co-op games and, and, and Haze Light Studios in general. Uh, so lots of good stuff here. Okay, cool. All right. Let's hit up or uh, let's hit up our extra news. I got I got a mouthful here, so I'm going to be reading those for a while. Number one, Sony has filed a new trademark for something dubbed PSX, documented as arranging, organizing, and conducting exhibitions and conferences in the fields of entertainment and video games. So the PSX conference is likely coming back. Number two, 
Playground Games has confirmed plans to stop adding new cars and features to Forza Horizon 4 ahead of the release of the game's successor. Number 3. Free-to-play role-playing game Nier Reincarnation launches in North America and Europe on July 28 for iOS and Android devices. Number 4. CD Projekt has said it believes Cyberpunk 2077's performance has now reached a satisfying level following six months of patches designed to improve the game from its much-criticized launch state. Number 5. Konami and Bloober team have signed a strategic cooperation agreement which will include jointly developing selected contents and exchanging know-how, Bloober team to developers of the medium. Number 6. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart patch adds 120Hz display mode via a new patch. Number 7. Australian Classification has raided an unannounced Castlevania Advanced Collection. Number 8. Square Enix has revealed that it will soon be removing a couple of classic Final Fantasy games from Steam ahead of its recently announced remasters. Those number bastards. Nine. Yeah. Number 9. According to indie developer Eon Garner on Twitter, Sony reportedly wants 25,030% of earnings to feature your PlayStation indie game. Number 10. Team Fortress 2 just hit over 150,000 active players on Steam, the highest count since the game launched in 2007. Number 11. Further fuel has been added to the Dead Space comeback rumors after the official YouTube channel for the sci-fi horror franchise sprung mysteriously to life. And number 12, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut is coming to PS4 and PS5 on August 20th, featuring a new chapter in Jin's story and adaptive trigger and haptic feedback support on PS5. I wonder Lewis, if you take get it away. that for free. I hope you get that for free on uh, if you already own a PS4 or the PS4 uh, copy of the game. I actually believe there's a thing where... I, I I'll need to look into it, but it has one of those like weird like pricing structures where you got to look at like a, a a table, like a spreadsheet. It's like <laughs> if you have this version of the game, you got to pay like ninety nine to upgrade. But you have like if you have like this version, then it's nineteen ninety nine. If you have this thing, then it's free. Oh or whatever. my god! Yeah. All right. Well, so PSX finally. PSX has long been overdue. PSX should have never left. To tell you the truth. Um. But to tell you the truth, I actually hated the PSX that I did go to. <laughs> I feel like I missed out. I missed you know, out. Uh, let me call you out there for a second. PSX sucks. Also, it should have never gone away. Why haven't they been doing them all this time? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Okay, let me put it to you this way. Uh, the PSX that I went to, uh, I didn't I didn't make it into the conference. You know that part where they'd give the, like, the little E3 press conference? The line was so long that I didn't actually get in. So I watched it on my phone in line waiting to get inside the convention uh, wait, waiting to get inside the convention center oh like no. that's okay like, the whole purpose of me going there i also didn't play a single goddamn game because all the lines are too atrociously long and the one game yeah. that i did play i snuck in so <laughs> i out myself on that one so yeah but no as a, as a general thing psx itself should totally exist i just know better than to go to it so um yeah, watching PSX at home is more is better than the actual. It's like the E three of the E three of it all. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, uh, I I totally as, get oh. I totally get your like the sneaking in thing because like dude like my E three experiences involve so much sneaking into stuff. It's crazy. It's like it, it's not even like I'm doing anything too crazy, but like you start like you know you're standing in line and like there's some lines that are kind of complicated to get in and you just kind of talk to the people that are running the lines. And a lot of times they can help you out. They, they like I've had people be like, "Dude, dude we're gonna we're gonna open right now. Like, come on in," kind of thing. Um, yes. And that stuff that stuff definitely helps out. You know. Yes. Um. What's it called? I just want to say that uh, the, the, you know, CD Projekt Red, man, come on, man. That's oh, it's a satisfying level of performance. No, fuck you. It is not. Don't even try it. You're you're just making yourself look bad. Uh, let's see. Okay, that's pretty grimy. Uh, Square Enix. 
why are they going to do that? Like just the whole purpose of being on Steam is so that it's like it's evergreen. You just basically you can play it on PC yep. anytime. And you can go back as there's no such thing as console generations on PC. They're just doing it just because they want to make a buck. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, also, okay. Is Sony being like evil here on this one on number nine? It's like they want $25,000 and 30% of your earnings as long as we spotlight you. That just seems like that yes. seems very anti indie. That's that's my answer because, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, I saw the story come up. I don't know if it's, like, something specific about this guy's experience or it seems like there's other indie developers that have corroborated it, like, that, you know, agreed to it, said that they experienced the same thing. Um, I've always heard that from recent generations, like, so from, like, kind of, like, mid PS4 to now, at least, that it's that it's not great to work with Sony as an indie developer, that they're the ones that help you the least. Uh, so to me, this kind of like falls in line with that story that I've heard before. And, you know, as an indie developer, a lot of times these people developing these games, like they don't have any money. <laughs> like they don't yeah. have they don't have twenty five thousand dollars for their own stuff. They they don't have it to give it to Sony. So uh, they barely have to enough to like put on their own games as well while they're like working two jobs or something and trying to make this game. Um, so it's it, it definitely doesn't bode well for Sony to to be portrayed in this capacity by by indie devs yeah yeah and not to mention well at least thank thank god for like nintendo and their nindies presentations and Mm -hmm. xbox with their id at xbox like at least they got like they they got some safe haven from there and all the better for them because if anything those platforms are benefiting from like the indie love that sony doesn't seem to be having anymore that i think about it i can't think of like a a big name featured indie game on playstation platforms you know what i mean like early ps4 days indies were like supporting and holding Mm. up and like you know keeping everyone satiated until the ps4 games first party games came out so it just seems like uh it almost kind of feels like a slap in the face to the people that like made you partly or made you you, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially during the PS3 era, dude. Like the the PS3, there was like a time frame there too, where like there is so like the indies were kind of keeping that console together during some of those years. Um, and then yeah, like PS4 early on as well. All right, Louis. Um, we're gonna wrap this up. I'm 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 kicking check this out to next week. I had something. We'll look at it next week. Can you, do you think you can uh, bring us home in the next 10-ish minutes? I got this. What are you buying? All right. So first things up, Doom Eternal's next-gen upgrade is raising hell for PS5 owners. All right. So check this out. The uh, There was an update six that went live for the next-gen people for the PS5 in the series. Um, and of course, we even talked, they even talked about it on uh, on the Microsoft Showcase about how, we're, oh, we're going to give you guys a, a, like a, a 120 frames per second mode and all that stuff. And they uh, they showed it here that these, uh, these new options are good for like those 4K TVs. They said that, okay, these updates are live. You can, uh, there's a ray tracing mode where you can play it at 1800p and 60 frames per second, uh, a performance mode, which is at 1800p and 120 frames per second, and a balance mode, which offers full 4K at 60 frames per second, which HDR10 is being supported um, on all the graphics modes. Um, so what ends up happening is for the PS5 people, the update six didn't go so well because it doesn't allow for PS4 players to transfer their save data to the PS5 version, which means that if you're looking to upgrade, um, you're going to have to like reset your progress to zero. 
what the fuck like it almost kind of feels like conspiracy theory time it almost mm-hmm. kind of feels like the microsoft wanted to make sure it go smoothly on their platforms because they're first party and then fuck you sony you know that kind of thing i don't know it just seems very backwards or i don't know is there what do you think do you think it's just maybe like a a, a bug that they didn't see coming or something more methodical i don't want to get I don't want to get into conspiracy theory territory about it because I do think they intend on supporting both platforms like from from a developer like you you can you can say whatever you want from like an up top perspective but like from the developer perspective they're over there they're this game exists in both consoles they're building these patches for both consoles you know I I can't see the dev being like uh fuck this PlayStation you know so I don't I don't think when I say dev level I'm not even saying like just like the the grunt you know like me I'm saying like you know like manager level too like manager and the dev level and stuff I don't think they would do that however however there could be, I could see, and I, I almost don't want to say it because it's probably not the case, but I could see a situation where there's a general instruction that comes from the top, which is that if you have a PS5 only bug or a PS4 only bug, right, that is lower priority than an Xbox bug, right, or something like <laughs> that. Like, I could see it. I could see it's, it's not don't do it. It's like that is lower priority because everything in development is with priorities, right? Like everything yes. is like, oh, like this is high priority. This is low priority. This is medium, etc. And there could there could be something like that. I don't know. Interesting. All right, we'll write that. We'll take that. Home. We'll we'll take that as a bank cash to check on that one. <laughs> All right. So as far as new releases go, um, we only got looks like four things. So that's very good for me and good for this show. <laughs> uh, the big release is a plague uh, a plague tale innocence. It's coming out on PS5, Series X, and the Switch on July sixth. Follow the grim tale of a young Amika. I'll say Amisha. And her little brother Hugo in a heart tent and a heart trending journey through the darkest hours of history, hunted by Inquisition, Inquisition soldiers and surrounded by unstoppable swarms of rats. Amiksha and Hugo will come to know and trust each other as they struggle to survive against overwhelming odds. They will fight to find purpose in this brutal, unforgiving world. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't this like the, the one one E3 where there's like a bunch of rats? Like all yes. like, you know, yeah, I remember that, that one shot. Okay. Yeah. There's right. a sequel. We saw a sequel to this game on the Xbox showcase. And I, I heard really good things about the, this original game. So it's coming out to some new platforms. I wanted to give it a shout. Okay. All right. Next up is Ender Lily's uh, Quietest of the Nights. Uh, wait, didn't we cover this already? I, I remember talking about this on last week's show. I had the this game trailer. was, I believe it was free on the Epic Store or something. Like we, we definitely looked at this before, but... It's either coming to new platforms now or something, or I could have messed up. I just, I just, it was just, it was in July for the, for the list that I looked at. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, actually it says right here, look, release date, June 22nd on Switch. And then June 29th was last week. So it came out last week on for new releases, but for Xbox this week, Mm. it's new releases on July 6th for PS5 and PS4. So there There we go. go. That's what it was. Okay. So that's a really weird staggered release because they did it. They were literally released three weeks in a row. Switch happened first, Xbox happened next, and now it's PlayStation's turn. I guess that's cool because we covered it three weeks in a row, supposedly. Maybe we might have, I, might have covered it. I bet that is the reason. I like because I I can't really foresee like a development reason for like it being like a week apart. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I feel like that it was a strategy. It was a marketing strategy. Yeah. Mm, okay. All right. And uh, Yeast Nine Monstrum Knock comes out on switch and pc on july 6th and finally sam and max uh the this time it's virtual it's going to come out on the quest on july 8th 
So that's it for new releases. Yeah, <laughs> not not a lot, not a lot this week. I guess because because you, uh, you're you're reading them. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know it's it's usually that's usually the case. But I would say, as far as pick of the week goes, I would still say Ender Lilies, and I believe, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, like uh, I saw this, and this is all like you know inside baseball because I'm part of like the Level One Gaming Discord. But I believe that somebody at Level One Gaming is going to be reviewing uh, Ender Lilies for Level One Gaming's website. So cool, keep it locked there. It definitely looks really good. It looks like top tier indie material there. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move on. Got a selection of good things on sale, Strange. Oh, my God. Dan, I actually have a pretty halfway decent uh, uh, Bro Gamers Guide. It's actually to the point, and it's all free games. Free games galore. You get a free game, and you get a free game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do all this. All right. So for the Epic Game Store, we have uh, the Spectrum Retreat is the free game of the week. Wait a minute. I don't remember seeing this. Did we cover this last week about like what game allegedly was going to be the free game of the week? Uh, I think whatever. we did, but let's let's look into it. All right. Well, so it's free for the week from starting uh, from, from today to July 8th. And starting on July 8th is Bridge Constructor The Walking Dead, which I remember seeing a, like a, a Bridge Constructor game before. Uh, so that's cool. They got a little uh, Walking Dead slap... Uh, uh, they slapped a coat of paint of Walking Dead on it. And then Iron Cast will also be allegedly free next week. All right. This week, the Spectrum Retreat. Check in to the Spectrum Retreat for you a for a stay you won't forget. Explore the pristine and uncanny hotel, the Penrose, while solving its ingenious color-coded puzzles and discovering the reasons behind their seemingly never-ending stay. Okay. So it's a, it looks like Portal meets 1408. So There we go. Yep. <laughs> Uh yeah, so that looks cool, I guess. Yeah, it's first person like exploration, investigation, puzzle game. Yeah. Yeah. It looks interesting. All right, that's the free game. And for PlayStation Plus, we have the free months uh oh the free games of July have been announced. Uh a Plague Tale Innocence. Oh <laughs> that's why it's coming out this freak for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean because it's it's uh yeah, look at that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's uh so for PS5 owners such as myself, you get that brand new spanking ass game. Um there's that one for and then for the PS4 owners. Uh this is a little a little a little uh black okay. Call <laughs> of Duty sus. Black Ops 3. I don't know, sorry, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, excuse me. Um it's a little sus because it's an on it's a multiplayer only uh Call of Duty. There's no campaign, those bastards. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm not really about that. Uh, I only play Call of Duty for the campaign. And also, WWE 2K Battlegrounds is also kind of sus because that game reviewed poorly. It's janky. It's whatever. It's not as janky as the actual like NBA 2K21 or whatever. They, they had a pool or whatever. So, yeah. It's it's a so-so. Overall, it's a so-so. I would say maybe, I guess, a Plague Tale. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, Plague Tale is the best game out of these out of these three, generally. Yeah. <laughs> a Plague Tale was a game award nominated game in the year that it came out. It's a it's a top tier. Like I mean it's it's like double A, but it's like top tier of the double A, so shout out. Yes. All right. So uh as far as the um the Xbox games, it doesn't get any better. Uh so we got Planet Alpha from July first to the thirty first, and then halfway into July, July sixteenth through August fifteenth, there is what is it, Rock of Ages three, make and break. And then I would say the only game that's even worth is uh the original Xbox game called Conquer Live and Reloaded, which is a remake of Conquer's Bad Fur Day that I talked about. But it's a shitty mm-hmm. remake of Conquer's Bad Fur Day. I think the N64 version is better. Uh but yeah. Um 
I would say that's the only game of worth mentioning. And then also there's uh, from July 16th through the July 31st, it's Midway Arcade Origins, which is a bunch of old, like 8-bit, like old ass games that aren't, they don't seem very fun or particularly relevant today. So uh, good for game preservation, but not necessarily good for the fun times. So yeah, I don't really have much to say beyond that. Do you have anything to say about Xbox? I think that Planet Alpha game looks cool, but it still pisses me off that they don't just have all the games available from July 1 to 31st. (laughs) Well, at least that one is. Um, Finally, we don't cover uh, Amazon Prime Gaming very often uh, because particularly Prime Gaming doesn't tend to have a lot of good free games of the month. But I did keep an eye out this month and I found one of note. Uh, Dan, do you know what that is? Uh, The Secret of Monkey Island. Oh Special yeah, most edition. definitely, most definitely. Batman: The Enemy Within is going to be the is one of the free games on Amazon Prime. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get Prime Gaming for free. So all you got to do is just go to uh, Twitch or like go to yeah Twitch.tv and then sign in. And then once you're signed in, you can go in there and redeem uh, a free game. Uh, so uh, Batman: The Enemy Within, I believe, is the second season. If I want to, I want to say the second season of the Batman uh, Telltale games. Uh, so yeah, you get it from July 1st from from now. Until August 2nd, they're redeemable. You just go in there and claim them. And uh, I went ahead and claimed all of these games. Uh, I don't really know any of, the, uh, any of these games in general. I just claimed it just because it's free. But yeah, before, Batman. Yeah, before you close this, can you go all the way up to the top? So they have a lot of like other shit here. Like, is this like all so, for life service games? Like, Yes. So basically, uh, what they, they give you in-game loot every month. They can say, mm-hmm. you know, you can claim uh, some uh, $400,000 in GTA Five or whatever, or this skin in Fall Guys. And it's like this stuff in Apex Legends and stuff like that. Just It's just stuff. I don't really yeah. claim. I've, I have never once claimed a, an in-game item or in-game loot for anything, even if it's a game I play. Because usually I believe when it comes to these particular situations, you have to play it within the Twitch game launcher. Because Twitch has its mm. own Steam, its own game launcher. So um, also, separate side note, in case you didn't know this, a uh, little advertising for Twitch uh, gaming. You don't have to be a Twitch uh, Prime or an Amazon Prime subscriber to keep your game. So like once you claim it, if you stop buying Amazon Prime, you still have it in your launcher and you can still play it without like the PS On Plus. They, note, take it, they take it away from you. I found out about an interesting feature of Xbox Game Pass recently that I didn't know about. If you have a game through Xbox Game Pass and you s- install it to your console and that game gets later removed from Xbox Game Pass, you can still play it as long as it's installed to your console. But if you uninstall it, then you can't download it again because it's no longer available. Yes. So right now, I can't, remember wh- I can't remember which game it is, but I have a game installed that just left Game Pass or is about to leave Game Pass or something. I'm planning to have it like Outer Wilds. Yes. We covered that Outer Wilds was leaving Game Pass. I'm going to keep it installed until I play it. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So if, like, if, if GTA 5 leaves Game Pass and as long as GTA 5 is installed, you can continue to play it. That seems crazy. I wonder if there's like any kind of limit. There might be some limitations to it. But, you know, I read about it on the Internet, so it couldn't be wrong. <laughs> We'll test it out. We'll let, let, yeah. let you know. Let me know about Outer Wilds. But yeah, mm-hmm. that is uh, definitely it. Should I do the thing? Yes, do the thing. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, you can reach the podcast at readyplaynetwork.com or simply at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. I'm on Twitter at the Dan Lima and Lewis at chocolaka 88 
That's right. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show, and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye. Peace.